taking the, the theory of, of tech and innovation, making it practical, but how do we conceptually kind of pull all these pieces together? And, I, and I, this is kind of one of the, the lifebloods of the show in, in my mind and uh, a topic that we keep coming back to quite a bit. And we've had some, some really great, awesome guests Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. And today we are bringing you a special episode. It marks the 150th episode of Bridging the Gap. And for all these big milestones, always like to bring on our editor and producer, Eric Daniel, the man behind the scenes making it all happen and come together. Welcome back to this side of the microphone, Eric. Thanks, Todd. I'm excited to be back. I always like uh, sneaking my way onto the show every once in a while. It's crazy. 150. It feels like we just uh, were recapping the 100th episode. It's been a year. (laughs) Almost. Just shy. A couple weeks shy. It's crazy. That's so hard to believe. I feel like this year out of the past couple, the most has happened in a way in the industry and then the most kind of trends and everything have kind of revealed themselves. It's been really fascinating. When I was taking a a look back at the previous 49 episodes and the guests and the conversations that we've been having over the, the last year, it seemed like things kind of broke down into sort of three buckets. You know, we, we made a, a very conscious effort uh, coming out of the hundredth episode to hear more voices from the the field and the people that are actually using the technology on a day to day perspective, and and hearing how the the technology and the innovation is impacting them and how they are rolling out. The the second kind of big bucket of, of themes coming out of the last 49 episodes have been the really the blurring of the lines between blue collar and, and white collar and, and taking the time to unpack what does that mean? It's kind mm-hmm. of the, the, the new spin, if you will, on the construction has a, a marketing problem that we've talked a lot about on the show. And then the, kind of the, the final bucket is really taking the the theory of tech and, and innovation that we've spent so much time talking about in this uh, area that's really fascinating to me. How do you take that, that theory of it and bring it into the practical reality to make it happen and make it happen successfully? So it was, it was interesting thinking through those, those three buckets, any kind of standout moments from you? Yeah. Several, um, go kind of going along the lines on the, the voices from the field and end users. I feel like there's, there's so much there. A couple of things that jump out to me on that is, um, something that, uh, I think it was. Was I think it was Mark Lamberson. Uh, he just laid it out perfectly at, in like when you're adopting a new tool, kind of how a successful implementation goes. And it's 
not exactly what you might expect. He, he described it as you're kind of throwing something new out there. You're trying to prove what you have is going to work. And so everybody in the field is like, there's a problem with the software. It's a problem. There's a problem. Um, once it, they use it and kind of work with it for a few days, it, it turns to, okay, there's, you know, a problem with like a couple of the, the tools in this software. They keep working on it a little bit and, you know, they're seeing proof from all around that it's, it's working. And then that there's a problem kind of moves to, oh, you know what? We have this process in place in our company. And I think we could move it to this now that we have this new software and then the the issues kind of go away in that way. Yeah. I I love the, the iterative approach of that, of it's okay to take your time and and to take those incremental steps. I I think all too often it, the temptation with anything is to go the, the full hundred yard dash at the same time. And hundred yard dash is probably a terrible analogy on it because it's a dash. So <laughs> you go the, the full, you know, uh, marathon run of it instead of taking the time to just add one mile at a time and, and makes mm-hmm. it, makes it easier to digest than to, uh, <laughs> that is a really cool Lego. Oh, wow. That is cool. That's cool. All right, buddy. I'll come look at it in a minute, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I need I'm to start with the latest Lego set. It was a really cool plane. I don't I know if you little, can see uh, it. It was, it was a cool plane. I got that little tree that is like a little bonsai tree. Oh, nice. Did you put it together? Yep. They've done really well getting the adults Lego sets that we all like putting together. There have been a few guests <laughs> nice. that have mentioned Legos. That they're, they're Legos are Lego amazing. Members. Who yep. doesn't love Legos? Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I loved the the iterative nature of what Mark was saying with that in that you don't need to run the full marathon or think of running the marathon as the, the full all encompassing 26.2 miles. You, you take it one mile at a time and it creates a, a sense of momentum and a sense of uh, just energy that you don't get from thinking about it in the, the long kind of slog of it in all encompassing manner. But if you take it in those bite size stuff, it really helps adjust as well too as you're you're rolling out new new policies and stuff one of the the highlights that kind of stands out in coming at it from the the field perspective is the the conversations kind of are are i don't know the 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 right word what's coming to my mind right now is uh they're just more gritty they're they're more Hmm. just real and, and and pack a punch and it's not that they're they're negative about technology. Quite the opposite. I, I think that they're probably the the most pro technology conversations, really. Mm-hmm. But they're they're coming at it from an entirely different vantage point and how they they talk about the 
technology and bringing it about are are very different. I think of uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Lewis's episode in episode 138 or, or Shannon Tomasco in, in 141. Those are two of the, the conversations that I've enjoyed the most and I've learned the most just from sitting and hearing their stories. And they, they made me think in, in different contexts. Rebecca, you know, she, if you remember her story, she was going to be a graphic designer and then ended up mm-hmm. in the trades. And she said that designing for the trades is her way to unleash that creativity. And she really brings that graphic designer eye when she's putting plans together, try to make a, a work of art there. And then Shannon coming from the uh, childhood psychology aspect of it and finding her way into the trades. Hey, just another kind of detour. I, I just love the two very different industries from the trades. And then they end up coming into the trades and loving it and becoming big, really ambassadors for mm-hmm. the skilled trades. It's it's fascinating to see. But in Shannon's episode, she talked about how she goes about debunking that the trades aren't right for, for women or that you know, it's right. a, a dirty career. And she talked about how in nursing, which is a predominantly female industry field, there's a lot of gross stuff that they <laughs> they come in contact with. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of dirty aspects to that just because it's, it's an hospital you're dealing with a lot of gross right. stuff on a day in and day out. Uh, so uh, just the different perspectives I thought have been really, really interesting to show the different lenses and layers of this great, but complicated industry. Right. Right. And kind of going to what you were saying at first is that you, it's when you're changing things or putting technology in place that they're, it's kind of, it's not necessarily like a battle, but it's, it's higher stakes, I guess you could say in some ways, because, um, Rebecca was talking about how, you know, they were looking into some prefab kind of stuff. And she said a lot of people on the team just felt like the job was their job and source of pride. were just kind of getting Mm. taken away from them. It's like the, Mm -hmm like the technology was going to kind of take away their, what they could, you know, go and brag around about. But I think, I think the end of her story, she said once, once everything was kind of more fully adopted, it was like, Oh no, we can totally reclaim our source of pride here. And we actually have even more ways to prove how this is like benefiting the rest of the organization. So, yeah, I think, Mm -hmm. I think in some ways it's there's more kind of people feeling like there's serious careers online when when there's a bunch of change. Yeah, it's interesting. It sparks up two things in my mind uh, when you were just kind of summarizing that point is you know how often do we come back to you need to kind of lead with empathy and have good communication skills and, and how far that really takes you. And so the, the empathy comes in, in by taking the time to sit down and say, Hey, tell me your story. Let, let me hear it. 
it brings in new perspectives and, and new layers that you would have no idea if, if you didn't take the time to really try to seek to understand where somebody else is, is coming from and mm. their kind of backstory that has brought them to that point. And then on the, the communication front, just taking the time to talk through it and saying, hey, here's what we're trying to accomplish. Here's what you're trying to accomplish. How do we kind of roadmap and, and workshop this so that we can get the, the best of, of both worlds? Not necessarily 100% of everything. That's never going to happen. But mm-hmm. how do we both get on the same page that we are rowing the boat in the same direction, even if there's something that we're not a hundred percent in, in agreement with, we right. can find a place where we're all comfortable with the direction, uh, and, and the course that is being set. Um, that, that makes me think of Kelly's episode, um, of just a few episodes ago, how, when you're road mapping everything out and you put a few guardrails on about how you notate data or where the data is going to go afterwards. Um, it makes, she said it made people have to make less decisions when they're out in the field. So you're not worrying about like, is this actually, or like these changes actually going to get synced over and instead you can kind of focus more on the, the project and, you know, taking a step back and road mapping it, you can even take another further step back. And she was saying, um, get one person from every part of the workflow in the room, um, which doesn't always happen. And you're going to, you're going to learn so much about how it all works together. You're just trying to get me on a, one of my soapboxes of take time on the front end to plan everything out and gives you so much more flexibility on the back end, but, <laughs> uh, more than agree. <laughs> you won't get any complaints out of me on that front. <laughs> I, I think it's it sounds so almost trite, I think to some people to take time and allow yourself the, the time in the white space to think before you actually roll out a plan. But yeah. man, does it help? Even if it's, 60 seconds. I mean, it doesn't have to be some huge, crazy workshop to think it out, but just take a beat before you start really implementing something and sketch it out, even on the back of a napkin. You'll be amazed at at how much that saves you later on. Totally agree. Uh, So you said something really interesting as well, too, that you were talking about in Rebecca's episode about, you know, reclaiming the pride and that this is a, there's a serious career here in the trades. This is, I think a great segue into kind of that second bucket of themes that we've covered in the, the last 49 episodes of the, the blurring of the lines between white and, and blue collar. And I think it was actually Rebecca's episode that, that got me really thinking through this concept and what does it really mean? And it, cause she, she, we were, you know, we were talking about the apprentice model and in mm. the trades and how all of a sudden then college came along and kind of took front and center of everybody's goal and, and aspirations. And the trades became 
and the apprentice model became the alternative to college. And we were talking about how it's, it's interesting that the trades became the alternative when really the apprentice model is the way work has been done for thousands and thousands of years. And the alternative way is the college model, not necessarily the, the apprenticeship and, uh, the, you know, we've unpacked that with, with a lot of different episodes before that. And since on what does it look like? Are, are blue collar and white collar, are they even antiquated terms? Because there's, there's so many uh, high tech jobs that on the surface seem white collar, but they're in the construction industry. So where do they, where do they fit and how do they, you know, do, do we even need those, those terminology anymore? I, I would argue that we probably don't and they we just need to kind of start moving away from that that it, it represents a uh, a bygone era where it made mm-hmm. sense but makes a lot less sense in our current environment but uh, a- any any thoughts that, that stand out in that bucket yeah uh kind of going off what you're saying i really the majority of the guests i think that have talked about this specific topic have alluded to the fact that it's kind of a subtle language thing. Like there's just subtle things that have kind of infused our culture to, you know, whether it's a dirty job or unsafe or something like that. And I don't remember off the top of my head who it was, but they said that you can't, it's not what you think uh, if you're like talking to parents, I mean, maybe it was just Angie Simon who we just had on the show. She said, it's not what you think. And, um, it's, it's different than when your parents were in the trades and it's, it's not as unsafe anymore that all the, all that kind of stuff. Um, two, one, one huge thing that stuck out is, is both from talking to Angie Simon again and, Josh Solon is recruiting kind of starts before high school, which I think is kind of, I think it's kind of interesting and kind of mind blowing. Um, Cause Josh just said, if you start in high school, most people have kind of made their decision. Like they already are on either the college route or not the, the college route and you kind of have to start a little bit before that. Hey innovators, is there a way to prepare your company for successful implementation of technological innovation? After over 115 episodes talking with some of the best minds in the construction industry, the answer is a resounding yes. There are building blocks that you can put into place that will form the foundation for your company to successfully implement technology. I have compiled my thoughts from those conversations into a new ebook simply titled Foundational Building Blocks for Successful Tech Adoption. You can download the ebook for free at our website, bridgingthegappod.com. After you have, I'd love to hear your feedback. As always, keep innovating. I more than agree with what Josh was saying on getting them before high school even. And, and it's getting them earlier in the process of 
the the future conversation I and mean, people are starting to kind of form their their opinion about college even in middle school you know the, people are, are being pushed in in that track and so it's being able to as an industry really be able to come together and have a unified storyline a unified message mm-hmm. that we're going out and talking to middle schoolers about what's happening in the industry and i, I find some really encouraging points that are uh, or organically popping up in the industry so like the the rock the trades movement chris came on in, in episode mm-hmm. 117 to talk about the rock the trades effort and and since then we've had a, a lot of rockers from rock the trades on as as guests shannon is is one and, and josh who was just on back in 147 another rocker from the rock the trades of how do we find these great inspirational stories and people that are willing to get out there and share their experiences in the trades? How do we put them out front and center to start shifting that narrative that we've talked about a lot in past episodes of the, mm-hmm. that misperception that's happening in the industry? And then you brought up Angie on just recently, episode 148 of the summer camp concept and getting high schoolers to have hands-on experience with the trades and actually build something and, and get to use the the machines. I, I think it's so cool to, to see. And obviously there's a huge groundswell of excitement and energy there too. Something, I can't remember the exact numbers, but she went from like eight or 12 students or campers in the, the first year to like a hundred just in the second yeah. year. That's crazy. So uh, there's there's movement and there's I think really encouraging and uh, just just great signs of energy. Maybe the last two years with uh, the the uncertainty and what constitutes an essential job and what doesn't, and mm-hmm. all the the craziness of the last two years. I think it has created some attention and, and some spotlight back on the trades that this is. Uh, a good industry yeah and there's another there's an additional front i would say on the recruiting angle well there's probably multiple um i would say that there's definitely like looking into like before high school angie went as far as to say like you got to work on the parents of the, the, the kids that are in middle school on this um the other one right I thought about from David Broomhead's episode where he was saying that all these people that are part of the great resignation are, were totally missing out on kind of having like having those people consider changing industries. And there's a lot of job swapping, but there's not a lot of industry swapping. And it's really interesting on a personal note, I've had a, like, like a career counselor in the the past. And um, he, the first time we met, he said he was there mostly for people during times of change, which was an interesting mm-hmm. way to think about it. It's usually he starts seeing people reach out to him when there's been a big change in their life. A lot of times you're moving. Usually it's when you're changing a job. And I think, all we hear about is kind of change, change, change everywhere. And 
yeah, it, I think it's the perfect opportunity to switch it, switch it up. I think David was spot on that. Yeah, no, that's it's really interesting. And it makes total sense that obviously change, you have your moment of disruption and it's when most of most great innovations happen during times of disruption that yeah. forces action. So that, that last bucket is it's an area that I kind of naturally kind of geek out on and, and get excited about. And that's the taking the, the theory of, of tech and innovation, making it practical, but how do we conceptually kind of pull all these pieces together? And I, I mean, I, this is kind of one of the, the lifebloods of the show in, in my mind and uh, a topic that we keep coming back to quite a bit. And we've had some some really great, awesome guests from you know Jennifer Byrne, Randy Heron coming mm -hmm. in, uh, talking about how they're doing it over at, at TD Industries. But uh, a couple shows that and conversations that stand out in my mind in in this bucket. One is Carol Fillion in episode one thirty two, when she talked about how wine is like construction and. And making that analogy of like how wine is made is, is very similar to how construction is made. That you can hmm. have the same grape grown in California. You can have the same grape grown in France. And you're going to get drastically different flavors hmm. and styles of wine because of the process that goes into it and the climate that's in there. And how it's the same thing in construction. How we build here in Atlanta is going to look different than how they build in New York versus how they build in San Francisco versus how they build in Paris. You're going to have all these different kind of complexities and, and nuances that appear in these different markets. And, and that's okay. You just got to go into it knowing that you have these different styles and these different flavors and know which one you're working with and you won't get as frustrated that it's not happening in the same way as what you're used to when you have that understanding that it is it's just a different style it's not necessarily bad it's not yep. necessarily better it's just it's just different yep and jennifer burn nailed it on the head when she said spend less time learning individual technology and spend more time learning about and solving the problem yeah. And isn't, it's funny with that. It, it sounds, it sounds easier said than done probably <laughs> in that because the, the problem solving mindset and, and methodology even that is needed doesn't, it's something that it really isn't trained and, and taught as much as what it should be that you, you have to exert way more brain power to go at it in that uh, mode, at least at first until you're, you get comfortable mm -hmm. with it and you practice it. It's like a muscle. You got to practice it. Um, the, I, I think people just kind of step back away from it or, or they haven't really been, been taught about it. Yeah. Uh, w one of the other things that has stand out in, in my mind on this is, it's a recent episode too, uh, episode 141 with uh, Olivier Lipinoy of, of Autodesk and, and talking about the 
business model that is required and is needed in order mm-hmm. to launch into big transformation and uh, where the the construction industry needs to go. And it, it starts with figuring out what is your actual business model that you are operating under, not the business model that you've drawn up in your business plans, but what is the one that you are actually using and leveraging? And do you know the difference? And how do you know the difference? And those are huge fundamental questions that people don't take mm-hmm. the time to sit and unpack because they think that they they have it. They're like, oh, well, yeah, the business model is what the business model is. But knowing how it's unique to you and knowing the, again, layers of complexities there, that is right. huge. And you it's a requirement. You have to take time to know that or else there is no way you can support fundamental change and growth over the long term. You might be able to do it in the short term, but not over the long term. And that episode, I, I circle back to that quite often, actually, in in my mind and in thinking through that conversation. There was so many just really good nuggets in there of how, how you should think and, and how you should always kind of be questioning what your your model is and, and think of it with a look at it with a critical eye and um, just kind of be a, a student, do your homework on your own processes, even if you think you have it mm-hmm. nailed down. A lot of times you, right before you go on a, a, just step back and map it out soapbox, which we lot we all love. Um, <laughs> you, you hear it more all, than other people. <laughs> well, you say, you say my, everybody in my, my team's going to know exactly what I'm talking about because they've heard this a lot, but it's, a lot of times when taking a step back, looking at the business model, taking a step back, looking at some of the bigger problems or bigger questions. A lot of times, a lot of the guests will say that it kind of sometimes will, you're not, no, you, you don't know you're, you've taken a step back and you're mapping it out until it kind of hits you in the face and you're like, Oh, that's, that's what we just did. And a lot of people are, have kind of put out an, urgent call of like, you need to be kind of making, asking these questions now and making some of these changes now before you regret in a few years of like, ah, I think we should have gone in this direction several years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, cause the, the hard part about all of this is you, you don't truly understand the depths of the change moment when you are in it, you only really realize the fundamental seismic shifts in hindsight, Mm. but there are things that you can do and and signs that you can see that we're at the early stages or we're living through the, the earthquake, if you will, as it's, it's picking up speed. And when, Really, when the the earthquake is is happening, that's not the time to start making sure that your building <laughs> is earthquake proof. You know, you got to be doing all the front side, right, and have it established so that when the earthquake hits, you're good. And we hear a, a lot on, oh, I we're too busy right now to implement this change. 
it's a, it's a good thing. It's probably where the industry is going, but we're just too busy right now. We'll get to it when it slows down. Mm-hmm. But when it slows down, you don't have the the resources to right. actually make the, the change happen. And then you're trying to figure out how to just stay afloat and get by. You got to do it when business is good. When you have the time and the, the you don't have the time, you have the resources and you got to make the time to mm-hmm. really bring those needed changes and process improvements into place and into fruition so that you are set up for that long-term success. Totally agree. Any other moments that, that stand out to you in the, the last 50? That covers a lot of them. I'm, I'm really excited to see what some of the, those little predictions sprinkled in there. I'm, I'm interested to see what comes next. I think if I had to kind of wave my magic wand, I would say that it's, it's going to go a lot to what Kelly said in her episode on, we are going to continue kind of going back to the, the basics of data. It's like, we've got all this data. Now, what do we do with it and how do we become more productive with that? I think that's only going to become more prevalent. Yeah. I more than agree with that. I think data is a huge um, kind of, this sounds very ominous and I don't mean it this way, but kind of looming presence over the, the construction industry. (laughs) It's a, it's a race to figure out how do you mine what you actually need to know and then leverage that for greater success. And I, I think there's people that are, are working on that and figuring it out and, and starting to, to make moves on that. But I, there's so much there that it's going to be a, a longer term process. But if, if you're not thinking in those terms, you are already behind. So start thinking mm-hmm. in those terms and you just, you got to start wrapping your arms around data and learn a, a whole new ray of, of terminology with data governance and and what does that really mean? And and then you get the interoperability play that, that comes into mm-hmm. that. And how do you get all the systems talking about and this? There's a lot there, um, but it's, it's definitely a, a huge wave that is, that's one of those se- seismic shifts that I think we were just talking about that it's not starting. It's already here. We are, we are in the shift of data and what does that really mean? And what's the impact and how is it really going to be felt in the construction industry? But I, I think it's that's an exciting shift that that's happening, and the, the insights there and the efficiency gains that it allows for are huge. Yeah, I'm excited to go into all that in the next fifty and a hundred and more episodes beyond. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward. I, for me, kind of my my goals in the next fifty is. Definitely t- unpacking that some and leaning even more into the field voices and mm-hmm. and getting the kind of the inside scoop almost more and just getting all these different vantage points and, and perspectives. And I think a, another interesting opportunity for us 
on the show is how does all this relate in different countries going back to the construction mm-hmm. is like fine wine and, and knowing the different styles and flavors and, and how can we learn from it and be inspired by how other people are creating their wine? Mm-hmm. How can we learn and be inspired by how people are doing it in the UK or Australia or Canada or, you know, wherever there's, there's so many great, cool innovators. Uh, Olivier was calling uh, out a ton in, in his episode of people that are really pushing the boundaries of it. And and some are, are going to resonate in some geos better than, than others. And there's going to be some process that we look at and be like, well, they might do it that way in the UK. There's no way we're doing that here like that in the States. And that's fine. I, I think figuring out those different perspectives and figuring out what works, what can we take from other styles of construction what can we not mm-hmm. it i think it just makes it a better industry and a better product in the end by learning and, and understanding how other people thought through a, a similar dilemma and question and got to their answer and conclusion and um i'm excited i, I love those kinds of conversations and i think there's there's a lot of fertile and, and interesting ground there so looking forward to to really just expanding out the different vantage points and perspectives that mm-hmm. we're getting here on the show and in the, the construction industry more broadly. Yeah. Oh, I'm so looking forward to jumping back behind the curtain and listening into this conversations get recorded and then share them with the world. Sounds good. Well, Eric, uh, I've already asked you this a couple of times, but you can, this is your chance to amend or. Oh no, I knew this was coming and I didn't think about it. <laughs> Redo your answer if you want. What does <laughs> innovation mean to you? 150 plus times. I think we've gone through this, which is really hard to believe. And it truly has never been the same. I cannot recall probably verbatim what I said last time on innovation. Um, it always goes back to making something work and making things work better. But in addition to that, it is, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of bringing a new idea to the table, kind of having it complete and just saying, Hey, I think we should, you know, I think we should go and run with this. Can I just flip the switch and can we go see what happens and test it out and make changes to that? So a little, little extra experimenting and a little, I don't know, I'd add some extra initiative really makes innovation go a long way. Nice. Iterative initiative. That's my, my takeaway. Yeah. I like it. Well, Eric, thanks so much for coming on this side of the mic and excited to celebrate and and unpack 200 coming up here, probably in the blink of an eye. So, yep. I love it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Thanks again. And thanks for all you do behind the the scenes that the people don't get to, to pay attention to. Believe me, everybody that's, that's listening. When it wasn't for Eric, you wouldn't be listening to the podcast. So 
Thanks so much. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take. Both empathy and communication are required to foster a healthy and productive environment for innovation and growth in construction. Take time to plan and discuss with the needed stakeholders about the plan and seek to understand their perspectives. You will be amazed at the efficiency benefits that provides in the long run. Second take, we as an industry need to get in front of middle schoolers to talk with them and show them what a career in the trades and construction actually looks like. Once they get into high school, most have already formed an opinion on college. And final take, one of my favorite aspects of hosting this show is to learn different flavors of the industry. If construction is like fine wine, you might as well learn and taste them all. I'm looking forward to expanding my palate in the coming shows and hearing from way more perspectives. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software, at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.